0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to your Valentine's Views podcast for Monday, January 9th. Your New York Giants ended the regular season on Sunday with a 22 to 16 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles, what I referred to as your junior varsity New York Giants on Sunday having uh, having played almost exclusively backups. So uh, pretty good effort for uh, for the Giants JV, a six point loss to the Eagles. Sort of made the Eagles play uh, all the way through, and uh, here to help me talk about that and uh, turn the page to uh, next weekend's wild card round game against the uh, the Minnesota Vikings is Big Blue Views Tony Del Genio. Tony, how you doing uh, on this uh, on this fine Monday morning? I'm doing very well, thanks. So, uh, you know, we probably aren't going to spend a whole heck of a lot of time talking about. Sunday's game but let's let's put it this way I I looked at that game it got to be 10 nothing real quick and I thought oh this is going to be ugly this is going to be bad this is going to be 48 to 48 to 6 or some god-awful score like that and Davis Webb and the Giants defense and Actually, made this game kind of fun. I enjoyed watching the second half, and I enjoyed watching the Eagles have to play all the way to the end of that game. Yeah, this game was was a lot of fun,
2: and yeah, I didn't really think I would take much of anything away from this game, but I wound up, I think, taking a lot of things uh, away from this game. Uh, uh, you know, not the least of which, just to say something on on, on the Eagles' side. Yeah, is that I think it it emphasizes again how important play calling and play design and so on and so forth are in the NFL because you had the Eagles basically playing their starters out there and but and, but they were playing a, a very vanilla type of offense. They obviously didn't want to put Jalen Hurts in jeopardy since he's he's nursing that that sore shoulder or whatever the injury actually is uh so they didn't have him doing the designed runs that they usually had and they were trying to keep him in the pocket most of the time and uh, you know against against the giants backup defense for the most part they weren't they weren't all that impressive playing that that vanilla offense and it just i think shows you how important his his running game is to their overall offense and how important in general the design of an offense is that when you're, when you're really just playing it straight, a good team with, with excellent receivers and a good quarterback is not dominating a, a backup defense in a game that they knew they had to win. You now they obviously they didn't want to show much. Uh, they don't want to put anything on tape that, that people are going to see when the playoffs start, but just kind of, you know, goes to show you, you can't just throw guys out there and have them dominate a, a team that has worse personnel. You actually have to have to to be imaginative on offense and and use your players the best way you can. They purposely aren't doing that, but but you know, on the flip side of things, the Giants' defense played admirably yesterday, and that you might yeah. want to talk about it.
1: You know, one of one of my takeaways, Tony, while we're talking about the Giants' defense, is we have all year long looked at this Giants' roster and said it's not as good as as a roster like the Eagles, and and it's not, and we've looked at it and said there's a lot of building to be done and a lot of holes to be filled, and one of the things I've been thinking about as the season has gone on is you think back to Dave Gettleman, and I think there's 15 guys on this roster that Gettleman brought in, and, and you think, maybe this roster maybe it's not championship caliber but maybe it's a little bit better than we gave than we've given it credit for and you look at the defense yesterday and most of these guys that, that I want to talk about were brought in by Joe Shane were brought in by Brian Dable. but look at the guys that played well yesterday Cordell Flott cornerback played really well Jared Davis the inside linebacker that the Giants finally got off the Detroit practice squad less than two weeks ago played well enough for me to think that the Giants have to find at least a short yardage role for him in the, in the upcoming game against Minnesota. Nick McLeod played really well. Tomon Fox played really well. Um, I'm probably leaving, you know, leaving some other guys out, but there were a lot of Dane Belton's another one who played really well, a guy who hasn't really had a role on defense that the past few weeks, but it indicates to me that maybe, just maybe, there's a little bit more depth, a l- you know, a few more players on this roster that who are useful NFL players th- than maybe we've given the giants credit for. Yeah. I had similar thoughts and I was, I was actually
2: thinking about it in light of, of next year's NFL draft where the giants are, I believe going to have 11 picks once they get assigned two comp picks, uh, for players that, that they lost, they're going to have 11 picks next year. And, and as the game went on, I was thinking to myself, okay, I still want them to draft a CB one. I still want them to draft an ILB one. And I think I would like to see them draft someone for the interior defensive line. Uh, Also not necessarily, not as a, as a starter, but, but as, as quality depth for when you take say Leonard Williams or or Dexter Lawrence off the field. Uh, But then I'm thinking to myself, well, with 11 picks, yeah, maybe those are the only three picks I use on defense, and maybe they're relatively high picks. But but I don't know that I want to spend a whole lot of picks on defense because I I see a lot of quality in the Giants' uh, defensive side, as you say, with a lot of these backup guys. They're 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 not terrible players, and uh, I think the Giants need much more help on the offensive side than they do on the defensive side going into next season, assuming that Wink Martindale comes back as defensive coordinator, if they've got to switch to a whole new defensive system, maybe that's a different story, but uh, but I, I'm, I'm kind of liking the way the Giants are looking on defense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you can make an argument that the injuries to a Jackson, the injury to um, Xavier McKinney, the, uh, the rotating cast of characters that they've used at, at inside linebacker, You can make an argument that it's allowed them to really discover and develop some useful players that that they not only can use now, but who could be helpful for them going into 2023. I look at the roster and I look at the draft and, and going beyond the defense, I look at it like yeah, there are positions that you say, oh, we'd love to have this position. We'd love to have that position. I look at it like what they really need on this team, I think, and and one of them should probably be a wide receiver. Or, But they to me, they need top-tier difference makers. They need a couple more of those, whether it's wide receiver, whether it's another corner whether it's a big-time inside linebacker. And I'm only in favor of, of drafting a linebacker early if you're absolutely certain that whoever you're drafting is a guy who's going to walk in the door as a three-down player. Mm-hmm. But but to me, to me, that's what you're looking at. That's what you're looking for for the New York Giants to – to take the next step, you can continue to build the roster in the middle rounds, in the late rounds of the draft with with lower free agent, you know, lower cost free agent signings. But to me, what this team really needs is two or three real difference makers at uh, you know at linebacker, at corner, you know maybe another defensive lineman, an inside linebacker but that's that's what i would be looking for this off season.
2: Yeah, and and you know, linebacker, i mean since you mentioned it, it's 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 really and i've i really started to appreciate it a lot more. It's really a very difficult position to play well and if you you know, if you look around the league, there are a lot of guys that that get drafted very high at linebacker and don't perform all that well in their early years. And when you think about it, you know, they've got to do run support. Sometimes they're asked to rush the passer. They're, they've they got to drop into coverage and they've, they've got to not only be able to, to shed tacklers and things like that. They also have to be able to uh, anticipate and, and read. And, 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 you know, we see that in spades with the giants this year, that their linebackers are consistently faked out of position and and don't anticipate these counter plays and so on and so forth and and it really is hard you know you think about jared davis who as you say looked good yesterday guy was a first round draft pick uh i was reading a little bit about his scouting report uh you know online and like one of the comparisons before he was drafted was to bobby wagner all right and and this is a guy now who hasn't been able to stick with two different teams and is on his third team, first round 21st pick thought he'd be the next Bobby Wagner and 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 now he's he's hanging on trying to trying to make a name
1: for himself in the NFL and so it's it's a tough position to play absolutely there's so many requirements of it in terms of both going forward and and playing the run and then going backward and going sideways and trying to cover tight ends and running backs it's very difficult and and for me it's one of the reasons why I hesitate to spend big draft resources on these inside linebacker types for the simple, unless I said, as I said, if you're convinced that you, that this guy has the type of skills where he can play all three downs, where he can, he can play the run and the pass, because what you're seeing more and more in the NFL now is so many of these sub package defenses. So many of, you know, look at what the giants do. They play, Micah McFadden and Jalen Smith on early downs they'll they might work Jared Davis in on early downs against Minnesota coming off the way he played on uh, on Sunday against the Eagles. but as soon as they can, as soon as they get into anything they consider a a potential passing down, it's Landon Collins and Tony Jefferson playing linebacker mm-hmm. who are really who are really you know hybrid safeties, they're strong safety types. And I think you're seeing that across the NFL, where you're getting linebackers off the field, you're getting safeties or extra defensive backs on the field. The Giants are fortunate that they've, they've got Collins and they've got Jefferson, who might be limited players in some respects, but they're, but they're tough enough and big enough that, that, that when required, they can step up and play the run.
2: Yeah. And that's why, you know, just coming back to what you originally said, I think if you get that one difference maker at, at linebacker, you know, one guy, one guy, guy who has the potential to be like either of the 49ers starting linebackers eventually, you know, somebody who can aspire to be something like that that, that can be on the down uh, on the field, you know, for three downs and, 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 you know, do, do all the things that a linebacker uh, needs to do, including, including covering, uh, if you can find that one guy now, all of a sudden, depending on on who they bring back for next year from among the current set of linebackers, all of a sudden their linebacker room kind of looks pretty interesting with, with, uh, you know, with with the guys that they've brought in uh, during the year and, and maybe that's all they need. They need that. I mean, obviously, and that's, and it's a big thing. You got to find the one guy at the top who can be, who can be really good, but their depth might be okay at, at linebacker. I mean, you know, a third of the way into the season, I was thinking they had to draft at least two linebackers and maybe they only need to draft, get one really good one. You might have to draft two to do that, but maybe they only need one really good one. And then the, the back the depth that they have is, is not bad.
1: No, it's not Tony. I think we, uh, we can't go any farther into this show without, without talking about Davis Webb and without talking about, we talked about fun at the top of the show and just without, without talking about how cool it was to see Davis Webb finally get an opportunity on Sunday and to actually do something with it. He didn't look like Jake Fromm out there. He or he didn't look like Mike Glennon out there. He he didn't look like Patrick Mahomes either although he tried on one play. But <laughs> uh, but he he looked like a competent NFL backup quarterback and and after 6 years of of sitting and watching and being on practice squads and being a good teammate and, and all of that that he's been for all this time i felt really good for him to get that opportunity and to and to succeed with it on sunday well, I, I, mentioned last week on this podcast that I was
2: hoping Davis Webb would see some snaps and get to throw his first NFL pass. I never in a million years imagined that David was going to start him and have him play the whole game, but, but it, it was a, it was pretty thrilling to, to, to see that happen. And, you know, he needed to get his sea legs a little bit in the first half and, uh, he, uh, he put some balls in, in jeopardy, uh, uh, you know, there that he was lucky he didn't have a couple of interceptions to his name. But, but the way he played that second half, uh, you know, to, to use the terminology that players in the, in the NFL uh, seem, seem to use these days, in that second half, you know, he looked like he, looked like he had that dog in him, right, uh, the, way, the way they
1: say Well, Reed, Reed Blankenship has a bruiser too from, yeah. from Webb. And that was that was a lot of fun to see. And I have to say this. I called it last week, Tony. I called it in my podcast last week with Patty Traina. And we talked about this when I was in the media room at the Giants facility last week. I called it Davis Webb to Kenny Galladay touchdown pass. I called it and and, and we got one. We got mm-hmm. we got maybe the only play that Kenny Galladay has made in two years. And I, I, I just, I watched that play and I'm like, where has that been? That's what we signed. That's what the Giants signed this guy to do. And they were hoping that would become a thing. And, and Sunday it, it was, it was fun to watch, but it was like, man, where has that been? If you look back to
2: to last year, actually, he played well in the New, in the big New Orleans game that Daniel Jones threw for four hundred yards, and the Giants won in overtime. He had a couple of big catches in that game, and think, I, I, including when I think on the on the the final touchdown uh, drive that almost got them into into the end zone. And I remember watching that game last year, saying, "Yeah, yeah, this is this is the guy that that they they paid this money for." And then you just like never saw that guy after that, and the. And the thing that that went through my mind, you know, yesterday after watching that touchdown pass is, okay, we've had two years. Why is this almost the first time I've ever seen the Giants throwing him one of these 50-50 balls in the end zone? I thought I thought that was that was the main reason you got Kenny Galladay was was that once you got into the red zone, you'd just start flipping balls into the end zone and let him go up there and 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 you know and fight for them and grab them because that's what you saw a lot of on his tape with, with the lions and the giants seem to do that with him. uh, So seldom, Uh, but at any rate now I was, I mean, I was thrilled, obviously he was able to get that uh, yesterday and, Actually, one the most interesting thing to me about that entire thing, and I don't know what your take on it was, was after the play, the cameras pan to the sideline, and there's Dable sitting next to him with his arm around him, talking to him after
1: he catches the touchdown pass. And I'm just wondering what Dable's saying to him at that time. Well, Dable, I I have no idea what Dable said to him, but Dable is a really, really good communicator with players I'm sure that Dable understands that that this has been difficult for Kenny Galladay, and we can all say, "Oh, he's he's got 40 million reasons for it not to be difficult because the Giants guaranteed him 40 million dollars." And but the reality of it is, we're all human beings. Kenny Galladay has his paycheck; he's got a lot of money to uh, you know to 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 make him feel a little bit better. But still, you know, as a human being, you have feelings. You, you understand that you've been a disappointment you know, in your two years. You understand that, that it hasn't gone the way that, that everyone wanted it to, including Kenny Galladay himself. And you know, I've been in the locker room a few times in the last few weeks, and, and Galladay has been – nobody talks to Galladay anymore. N- media members don't talk to Galladay. I'm not even sure I see players talk to Galladay very much anymore. He sort of comes and goes and walks in the locker room and dresses and leaves. And, and and he's like a ghost in there. So, and, and you have to feel that as a person, you have to feel that as a human being. And so I felt good for him to, to make a play and I felt good for Webb, and, and, you know, it was, it, it, it was good to see some of these guys who, who, who did all that work all year long you know, get an opportunity on uh, on Sunday Lawrence Cagers another one who had a, who had a career game on on Sunday it was just good to see some of these guys you know, get a little bit of a reward for uh, for their efforts
0: vacations can be tricky you already know how to book flights and hotels but now the only thing you're missing is
1: One real concern for me coming out of uh, coming out of Sunday was rookie right tackle Evan Neal, really the only true starting Giants player to get uh, to to uh, to get significant snaps and to start. I think the idea for the Giants on Sunday was the you know the rookie right tackle missed a lot of time early in the season he had struggled for a few games coming back played pretty well a week ago against the indianapolis colts and i think the giants felt like he could benefit from some snaps on sunday maybe build his confidence you get another you know get another good half game or so under his belt, heading into the playoffs, and it just didn't work out. Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham, made Evan Neal look awful in pass protection. He had two false starts in the first half. Just a really sort of step back kind of game for for Evan Neal, and for me, that was that that was the one thing I came out you know concerned about heading into Minnesota. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely and i mean one thing that's
2: clear i think to me you know is that he can't handle speed rushers i mean and that's what hassan reddick ha- hassan reddick is a actually a very small guy for an edge uh defender and and uh he just he just blows by someone like like evan uh neil and uh you know i i I mean, yeah, the- let's face it, we've all been saying, well, you know, it takes time to develop. And yeah, Andrew Thomas was a lot better in his second year than in his first year and so on and so forth. But I think, well, going into the game next week, first of all, where you've got Daniel Hunter and uh, Zadarius Smith, who put lots of pressure on Daniel Jones the first time the Giants played the Vikings. I think this is a, a, a real issue for the Giants if they want to have a chance to win that game. And I, I think they're going to have to have a tight end on that side most of the time to to chip whoever is whoever is rushing because i just don't know that evan Neal's up to the task right now and um you know it's going to be interesting to see what the giant we're getting ahead of ourselves it's going to be interesting to see what the giants do in in 2023 and um i you know i don't know whether they're whether they're looking at themselves and saying, you know, well, we just need to fix this and he's going to be fine once we get to work with him next training camp. We'll, we'll fix this and he'll be fine. Or whether they're starting to have doubts themselves and, and think that they they might need to draft some insurance or something like that. Hard to know. It's only, it's only one year. Unfortunately, it's such an important position that you can't afford to muck around with it for too long before, before you decide to to do something different. And the the shame of it was that he played really well against Indianapolis last week. And I thought, okay, he's, you know, he's, he's back, he's making progress. And now we're starting to, to see the adjustment. And I thought yesterday it, it, he just lost all of that. And so we'll see what happens next week, but it's, it I think it's my single biggest concern for next week's game.
1: You know, my, you know, my overall take on Evan Neal is, my my belief is you drafted him number 7 overall you can't he hasn't to me been so awful that you look at him and say he can't play right tackle to me you have to give him another year you have to go into next season thinking he's still your right tackle if it doesn't work next year i mean you do have you do have Matt Parrott still you do have Tyree Phillips. You you know you could, you could you know piece right tackle together if you had to next year. But I I think you want to give Evan Neal one more year. My immediate concern, as you said, is is next week because this was not a step forward for Evan Neal. This was a red flag game for Evan Neal. I've seen people suggest that he needs to be benched. And I don't think the Giants are going to do that. I really don't think the Giants are going to do that. But I do think I do think that you're in a playoffs, you're in a playoff game. If you if Evan Neal looks overmatched early in this game next Sunday, then then you've got to put Tyree Phillips in the lineup. Now, Tyree Phillips is not an all-pro. He's not a Pro Bowl player, but but if Evan Neal looks overmatched and you maybe have to think about going to tyree phillips just to uh just just to sort of settle things down i do wonder tony i do wonder how much the knee injury that that cost neil some time early in the season i do wonder how much that has lingered for him because he's athletic enough to handle speed we'd have to have Nick Filato look at it again but i tend to think that it's it's mostly footwork related. It's not athletic. It's not athleticism related as to why he struggles with speed. I know Nick will point out a little bit of his footwork, a little bit maybe of his, of his, his technique. Maybe a, he, maybe he leans a little bit too much and loses his balance. Some to me, those are things that you want to believe can and should be corrected going forward. They, they, the thing that nags at you in the back of your mind is he played a lot of football at Alabama with really good coaches with those same issues. And, you know, and yes, he's a rookie, but but you would hope that a lot of that had been addressed already. So we'll see going forward. But I, I personally can't imagine the Giants – moving Neil inside next season and, and looking for a right tackle. I think it's, I think it's too early for that yet.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd certainly not like to see them be drafting someone next year to, to replace him. But um, yeah, as you say, I think, I think there's only one more year to, to see whether, whether you can see the improvement not that he's got to become a pro bowl level tackle by next year, but he has to become someone that you're at least satisfied with.
1: Well what That's I hard. what I what I will say is, and I'm not going to compare Evan Neal to Eric Flowers. Okay. They're two different people. I think that Evan Neal really cares about his craft. He really works at his craft. He's he's a pro in that sense. He's a good presence in the locker room. I was in the Giants locker room enough during the during the Eric Flowers era to know this. The only person in the Giants locker room in those days who actually talked to Eric Flowers was former Giants lineman Bobby Hart. All right. And and just whatever you think of that is is what you think of that, but Eric Flowers had no real friends in the Giants locker room. And didn't seem to care to make any. And uh, you know, my thing with Eric Flowers back in the day was okay. Same situation; he was thrown in his left tackle his first year, struggled. You've got to give him the second year. But my problem at my problem was that Jerry Reese basically put a marker down and would not allow the coaching staff to move Eric Flowers. Eric Flowers didn't get moved off that left tackle position until Jerry Reese was gone. And you know, the problem was that that it got to the point where where Jerry was trying to prove that he was right rather than looking at the evidence and doing what was best for the football team. He was still trying to prove that he was right. To have selected flowers when everybody else could see that the young man could not couldn't handle the left tackle position. I I think it's too early yet to make that judgment on Evan Evan Neal, but if and when the time comes, I do hope that the Giants will be objective about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I and
2: I'd have a hard time believing that that Joe Shane would object to anything that Brian Dable wants decides he wants to do uh with evan Neal. i hope that you know this regime is is not like that and they've known each other too long and are are hopefully good enough friends that they that that he just trusts Dable to do what uh what dable thinks is is best but we'll we'll see i say the the immediate issue is next week And and should the giants get past next week and still be playing uh who are they likely to face again in the second game it'll be right back again with the eagles in philadelphia so, Absolutely. so you like hassan reddick and
1: <laughs> you, you you mean you don't think the Seahawks? well actually the, the eagles have the buy. so right so yeah yeah so so it's, it's possible
2: that they that they're back in philadelphia in two weeks if they manage if they manage to beat minnesota so mm-hmm. uh you know it, it, as long as the Giants' season goes on He's not going to find any easier assignments <laughs> no, no. In, in the games that are coming up. And, and that's almost by definition. When you get to the playoffs, you have to expect that you're going to be facing good pass
1: rushers on the other side of the line every game you play. Absolutely. Tony, let's talk a little bit about uh, Giants-Vikings 2 coming up here next Sunday. And uh, when I look at it, the Giants were locked into the sixth seed, and it was pretty... Likely that they were going to end up with Minnesota, but, but it really, it it couldn't have worked out better for the giants in terms of, of playoff matchup really, because you you didn't, you didn't want to have to go to San Francisco. You know, there, there was really no chance of, of, of ending up playing Dallas or, or Tampa Bay, but you just didn't want to go to San Francisco and I look, I look at this matchup, and it's it's clear to me that that there's very little that separates the Giants and the Vikings. You look at that, you look at that game, and and, and I don't care about Minnesota's 13 and four record. The Giants are nine seven one. They're they're really the Vikings are not that much better than 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 the Giants. The Vikings are maybe Justin Jefferson better than the Giants, and that's about it. And, uh, so I see this is I, I see this as the best possible playoff matchup for the Giants if they're going to go in and win a game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you're talking
2: about the Giants needing to ha- you know get a few more difference makers. And obviously that's the big difference between Minnesota and, and the Giants right now is Justin Jefferson. I mean, he's a, <laughs> if he's not a difference maker, I don't know what the definition of difference maker is. Um, you know on the one hand, I know that uh, you know Giants fans and the Giants players I think, right are looking forward to to facing Minnesota again. I think they think they can beat them and you see a lot of that talk about about them uh, being able to do that. but I'm sure Minnesota's looking at the Giants saying, well, it was a close one last time, but we figured these guys out and we think we can we can do much better next time so they're probably thinking the same thing that they that they were that the Giants are are thinking about them uh the 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 things that I I think about that make me think that maybe this time can be different is hopefully a Dory Jackson is ready to play and the only reason he didn't play yesterday was that Dable just wanted to give him one more week of, of rest uh for that for that knee uh, because I think that would mean a lot if you can have a Dory traveling with with Justin Jefferson uh, a lot of the time I mean, not all the time, but uh, but a lot of the time I think you know he's clearly the Giants best cornerback in my opinion and uh, and, and you just don't want Justin Jefferson to, to go off the way he was able to.
1: No you can't you can't have, you know no offense to Fabian Moreau, who's a inadequate NFL cornerback, but you can't have Fabian Moreau trailing Justin Jefferson. That's just not going to work my my concern with adoree jackson is obviously the fact that he hasn't stepped on the field since week 11 mm-hmm. that he hasn't had a competitive snap since week 11 i would personally feel much better if the giants had felt comfortable getting adoree jackson on the field for a couple of series letting you know letting him run around and cover some guys a little bit letting him take a hit or two I would feel much better about Jackson had he gotten to play, but the Giants will also have Xavier McKinney, who they didn't have in the first matchup. So so and and you know, all all the credit in the world to Jason Pinnock because Jason Pinnock has shown to be a useful NFL player. All the credit in the world to Pinnock, but he doesn't have Xavier McKinney's complete skill set. Right. And I don't know what they'll do with
2: Xavier McKinney against Minnesota, but the other thing that I remember about Minnesota besides them being killed by Justin Jefferson is that they were also killed by TJ Hawkinson last time. And so somebody has got to guard that tight end. And and the, the last time the Giants used a, a mix of safeties and linebackers to try to cover him on the, on the pass plays on which he was targeted. And none of them did particularly well, but um
1: but it would be nice if maybe McKinney was participating in that a little bit. Absolutely. And I think uh again, I also think that's part of why the Giants have leaned so much into Landon Collins and Tony Jefferson as inside linebackers in the last few weeks. I think that Minnesota game might have been one of the first times that they did that. And I, I see that, you know, emerging more and more for the Giants. But it's it's really interesting because I like I said, I think playoff opponent wise this couldn't have worked out better for the giants and i've i've said it before tony but even heading into week 18 which is why i was glad that the giants you know rested starters they're playing with house money at this point they're playing with house money if they win playoff games that's awesome if you know if if they somehow make a, a magical run. I mean, we've seen that before. I'm not expecting it. I'm not going to predict it. You know, we but we've seen, you know, magical, unexpected runs from the Giants before. I mean, that would be awesome. It'd be great. It'd be a lot of fun. But But the season's already been fun. It's already been a success. It's already been a year that has to give Giants fans optimism going forward. I mean, not that as Mark Schofield always says, pro pro progress, a little, little tongue twister there. I don't know why, but progress is never linear. So sometimes you take steps back and maybe next year will be a step forward. Maybe it'll be a step back, but, but this year has been a success and it has to leave you feeling much, much better about the future of the giants under Brian Day and Joe Shane.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we haven't, you know, talked all that much about the the coaching today but the other thing about that Eagles game is that I'm watching it and I'm saying to myself and by the way not you know not not just that they hung with the Eagles but for yet another game the Giants came back in the second half and played better in the second half than they did in the first and that's been a consistent pattern throughout the season that whatever there's whatever there is happening in the locker room at halftime they're coming out in the second half and doing a better job against their opponents it seems like almost every week that's happening and and even in this game against the eagles you know the first half kind of looked the way i expected it to and i was just grateful that the eagles were in ahead 30 to nothing and what, what was it 16 to nothing at halftime i don't remember what it was i think it was 16 yes, or, 30, yeah you know 30. and i said well you know what i mean it could have been it could have been a lot worse it's amazing actually that they only got one touchdown in the first half and it, it, you know that it's, in itself is good enough and then they came out in the second half and stood toe to toe with them for the entire half. Uh, and, and I just say to myself week after week after week, what a great
1: coaching staff this is that the giants have. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk about, we talk about like the giants wide receivers. I wrote about the wide receivers last week and, and, the fact that, that this unheralded group of Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James and Darius Slayton has been so productive, but a big part of the reason that they've been productive is that Mike Kafka and Brian Dable have figured out how to use them, have figured out what their skill sets are, have figured out how to scheme these guys open. And y- you talk about coaching and you talk about scheme and just think about the Davis Webb touchdown the Davis Webb touchdown run on Sunday. And when you watch that replay back, and they pointed this out on the broadcast Sunday evening, you watch the formation that the Giants were in. You watch the motion that they ran out of the backfield. And it, it this was a scheme touchdown. In addition to Davis Webb lowering his shoulder and getting the last few yards, this was a scheme touchdown because the Giants schemed the middle of the Philadelphia defense wide open. There was nobody in there for, for this designed quarterback run up the middle. There was nobody in there. You know, he was There was nobody near Davis Webb for the first 10 yards of his run. And that's not because of the blocking necessarily and not because of Davis Webb's track speed. It's because of the way that the Giants schemed up the play. Yeah, you know, and and
2: and the 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 TV networks have decided. And I think this is something that is that's new for the twenty twenty two season. But the, but uh, I guess with more and more offensive coordinators spending their time up in the booth rather than on the sidelines, I noticed that on many of the games that I watch, not just giant games, but games in general, they have a camera in the booth with the offensive coordinator and the guy sitting next to him assisting him you know with the play calling and th- and things like that and uh they showed Kafka yesterday and i believe it was after davis webb's rushing touchdown they they showed him in the booth and he had this really animated reaction to the to the web touchdown and so you know you can you can see how thrilled he is when he sees these plays work and uh, uh uh well for him and uh you know i think i just think it's it's just an
1: amazing an amazing amazing thing that that's happening with this absolutely and you know the last thing we we need to talk about since you mentioned mike kafka is that as we do this show, it's Black Monday around the NFL. Lovie Smith's been fired as head coach in Houston. We know that there are other openings around the league. I haven't checked in the last few minutes to see if anyone else has been let go or if Sean McVay has decided to step down from from the Rams. But I wonder just i wonder if if mike kafka and wink martindale are both going to be back with the giants next year my my gut instinct would say yes i think it's early for kafka although he'll get some interest because he checks all of the boxes for what teams are looking for now He's a former quarterback. He's a successful coordinator. He's worked for Brian Daybol now. He's worked for Andy Reid, these two incredible offensive minds. He's done good work this year with Daniel Jones, a guy who's playing the best he's ever played. He's 35 years old, so he's right in that, that young, up-and-coming offensive coordinator. He's right in that wheelhouse, so I think he'll get some interest. I think it's still I think it might be early for him but who knows if he if he goes in and wows somebody in an interview the, the Giants could lose him yeah. Wink Martindale I believe Wink Martindale deserves an opportunity to be an NFL head coach unfortunately at 59 with a background entirely in defense in an NFL where where those kinds of older, defensive-minded guys don't get a lot of opportunities, I wonder if Martindale's going to get a chance. The one guy who did get a chance, who's very similar to Martindale a few years back was Vic Fangio, who got a chance with the Denver Broncos. And, and, And maybe that's actually a strike against Martindale because it didn't go well for Fangio in Denver. Mm-hmm. But not not that a whole lot of anything goes well in Denver these days. But <laughs> but but my my gut instinct would be that both guys are back next year. Um, although although you never know. I I I would feel really good for Martindale if, if he got it if he got an NFL job. I just don't know that that NFL owners and NFL GMs are going to look at Wink Martindale and say that he's. He's what they're looking for. Although I think Wink Martindale, I think I wrote it this week. Hire the right offensive coordinator for Wink Martindale. I think Wink Martindale functions tremendously as a locker room leader. He functions tremendously as the 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 face of a franchise. He's he's got that kind of magnetic personality. So I hope he gets a job. I just I just have my doubts that either one of those guys are, are going going to uh, to to uh, to get hired in this cycle.
2: Yeah, I uh, yeah obviously I can't think about this objectively <laughs> because I think that that they've been such uh, great hires uh, by Dable that, that I, you know, I couldn't imagine things have uh, turning, turned out, w- w- could have turned out any better. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the, the, but the thing, yeah, the th- I, I think, I think something similar to, to, to what you do. Uh, the other thing about, about Martindale is, I mean, he's going against the grain of how you play defense now in the NFL. And I wonder what the view around the NFL is of that, because everybody's going to these, these two high defenses, trying to, to limit the explosive plays. And obviously he's, he's the exact opposite of that. I mean, he plays too high sometimes, but, but he has all of this, all of this blitzing and all of this gambling on defense and, and uh, have, you know, leaving cornerbacks on islands and so on and so forth. And I wonder whether there are going to be few teams out there who decide that they want to, to risk going in that direction because it is a high risk defense. It's so much fun to watch. That's the other thing that I love about having him as defensive coordinator and and, yeah. and having Kafka as offensive coordinator is that aside from the success, it's just so interesting to watch the game yeah. on both sides of the ball with these two guys calling the plays out there. And I just wonder how many teams – Will want to uh, on defense go in the direction that he's going when the trend is in the opposite direction. So I I say that trying to convince myself that nobody's going to take him and he's going to be back next year. But I don't. Yeah, really it was that. it
1: was awesome to watch Wink yesterday, knowing that he was playing backups and practice squad guys and all of that. Just say the heck with it. We're just going to put seven guys up at the line of scrimmage on every play, and we're just going to send the house and we're just going to go after it we know jalen hurts doesn't want to run around yeah. so we're just going to send the house and and if if we get burned once in a while you know on a on a deep shot then then so be it mm-hmm. and and the last thing i'll say about about mike kafka is doesn't he have to stay long enough with the giants to to run at least one spinning huddle right <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the stupidest thing I ever
2: saw. In my, in my, in my, and, it, and you know, it's so—it's just so disrespectful to the game. I just I, I hated that. I, I, hate, I mean, I, you, you laugh, but I, but I really hated oh, that. Uh, yeah, but, it, you but know, yeah, but but Regardless, but I do hope that people will look at Kafka and say, and say, nah, he needs another year before we can seriously consider him to be offensive coordinator. But again, I'm just, I'm just speaking,
1: you know, selfishly because I want to see both guys back next year. There you go. As, As do I, to be honest with you, Tony. All right. Hey, thank you very, very much for spending spending some time time with me this morning. And uh, Giants fans, as always, please uh, stay safe out there. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
0: The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Learn more today at sas.com slash V-I-Y-A.